Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the New Books Network. Leah had imagined it for years, the way some girls imagine the ordered rituals of their weddings, the dress, the march, the ordained officiant. The declarations, the dance, the toss, the waves goodbye before crossing that threshold. But here, in her dark iris velvet dress, in her small candlelit apartment in the tiny town of Hilda, South Carolina, where Mozart's Requiem in D minor was moving toward its crescendo, in the beat-up ebony grandfather clock she'd lugged home from a roadside sail, was gonging through the hours. She was the sole officiator and attendee of this, the grand ceremony of her last breath. This is G.P. Gottlieb, host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. And today I'm talking to Rita Zoe Chen. Her debut novel, The Strange Inheritance of Leah Fern, is filled with carnival magic, a mother who disappears, and a daughter who wants to disappear but is instead enticed into a bittersweet journey to find herself. Hi, Zoe. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Galit. Thank you so much for having me. So how did you come to write this novel? Well, you know, it was a confluence of a lot of things that were catching my attention. Um, and I began to realize that hmm, these are all part of of the same. And um, the first thing was I was in my living room and I saw something move out of the corner of my eye and I immediately thought a bird, <laughs> which was strange because I don't have a, a pet bird and I was inside and I don't have any birds, but that's what I thought. And it got me thinking about what if there were a character who was visited by birds or who could see birds that no one else could see. Um, so it, it kind of started with that. Um, around that same time, I was also thinking about um, about what it means to be an empath, um, may, because I may or may not struggle <laughs> with some of that myself. And uh, I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to write about someone who is an extreme empath? Um, so I was thinking about that. And I was also thinking about 
legacies, like the things we leave behind, um, you know, both like, tangible and intangible. And, you know, like, wouldn't it be cool if some wealthy person left their jewels, like it kind of put their jewels on a treasure hunt and like people want randomly traveling on subways would suddenly be gifted a brooch or you know some like fancy emerald and and anyway all I, I was thinking about all of those things um and I was also thinking about the symbolism of birds and how a, lo- a lot of people believe that birds are messengers or even sometimes the dead coming back um our beloveds coming to visit us so those things were all swirling in my mind and I realized that they were part of my book Hmm. Why didn't your protagonist have any friends as a child? Um, well, um, great question. Uh, she did until she was six and she was born in a carnival, as you know, and, um, her best friends were adults. Um, her best friend was a bearded lady, uh, her suite and, um, the carnival's contortionist, uh, the rubber band man. And, um, she was actually having a pretty happy life, um, but then she was um, kind of unceremoniously dropped at a friend of her mother's house in South Carolina and um, in, a, in a small town. And um, she was just then seen as kind of this weird kid who who tells stories and is a little bit macabre and, you know, finds, you know, fox skulls in the field and thinks they're really cool and she just uh kids didn't get her kids didn't get her so yeah yeah can you say a bit more about the blazing calyx carnival where leah and her mother live um yeah so it was a traveling carnival and um it it the book sort of opens at her sixth birth sixth birthday that is hard to say <laughs> um and uh, she she is basically um, proclaimed by the rubber band man. He get, he gives her a crystal ball and decides that uh, she is now the youngest and very best fortune teller in the world. Um, the problem is is that she's never told a fortune <laughs> and doesn't even really know what a fortune is. So um, that is kind of where the where her story at the carnival and her you know her memories of her story kind of really begin. Why is Leah enamored of both elephants and birds? Well, you know, I I think, you know, when you're a kid, we all find some kind of obsession. And um, she is obsessed with elephants as a child. She reads everything she can about them. Um, I think... I think she, the more she reads, the more um, interested she is in elephants. And, and, you know, I mean, elephants are known as empaths. And um, so I don't know if that's part of the reason is she, she feels some deeper connection to them. Um, but um, yeah, she's, she's, she, I think she feels generally comfortable, more comfortable around animals than she does humans. Um, there's always sort of a pull on her from other people, but animals, um, kind of restore her, replenish her. And so, um, but the, you know, she's not expecting the relationship that she has with birds to, to happen. That sort of just happens. Mm-hmm. Can you say more about how from a very young age, Leah feels physical discomfort when others are suffering? Yeah. So it's, you know, um, being a true empath is, I think, um, a gift and a curse at the same time. And so 
when she first starts out and she starts telling fortunes and she can kind of feel people, um, she feels everything. So she feels their pain. Yeah. But she also feels their joy. And, and so it's okay. It's, it's kind of, she's kind of like Zen mind, beginner mind, right? She's not assigning value. She's just letting it all sort of wash through her. But as um, when, when her mother leaves her, something really fundamental changes for her and she is pretty much tapped in solely to the frequency of pain. And uh, well, yeah. Hmm. Well, what kind of a mother, this is a big question I had while reading, what kind of a mother leaves her six-year-old daughter and disappears? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, it, it took me a long time to, to know the answer to that, actually. <laughs> Um, I, I wondered that for a long time too. Um, her mother, Jeannie Starr, is a magician at the carnival, and um, she she wasn't the best mother. She wasn't a bad person. Um, there was some substance abuse there, um, but I didn't really know her whole story. Um, I wrote a whole draft of this book and didn't know what it was, and so um, I think that you know the answer is in the book and i won't give it away but i think that it's it's the answer is complex i mean she's a flawed person who is actually quite deserving of compassion i would say good answer uh can you say a little something about edward murphy oh edward murphy <laughs> yeah so he um he's the person he's the friend of of genie star the friend of leah's mother who um Leah grows up with. He, he basically raises her. Jeannie leaves Leah with him without explanation, says she'll be back. And then um, they spend the next many years waiting for her return. He's madly in love with Jeannie Starr. He's, a, he's an older man, completely besotted. And so the two of them immediately bond over this wish that, that Jeannie will come back to them. And um, yeah, they they are, they stand in the living room at each at a window and kind of just gaze out at the road, waiting waiting for her to come back. So um, he's a he's a kind and, and good man. He's a humble man, a kind of a simple man. Um, but I don't know how many men just take in a, a stray child and raise them. Mm-hmm. Pretty good guy. Um, now the book opens. The novel opens. Leah's about to commit suicide. What's going on? Yeah, so um, she's turned 21, and um, she's alone. Um, Edward has died, and her mother has not returned. And she, um, you know, she's kind of been fantasizing about this. She's she's not, and this is, you know, to sort of refer back to your earlier question, she's not afraid of death the way a lot of other kids are. And in fact, she's kind of attracted to it anyway. Um, and I think some of that has to do with her upbringing in the, that carnival. They had, they have a, they had one big building called the House of Tricks, Treats, and Creatures. And in it, you know, there were all kinds of jars of specimens of things. And so she kind of just grew up very close to the idea of death. You know, there was some darkness there. There were, you know, like dark puppet acts where it's a told scary stories. And um, so, yeah, she's, she's, she's about to say goodbye. And um, then she realizes that um, when somebody knocks on her door, that she wasn't quite as alone as she thought she was. (laughs) So why I'm really curious about that. As soon as she realizes that her neighbor knew 
her mother. Why does Leah decide to take the journey to spread the neighbor's ashes? That, yeah, so <laughs> the neighbor, um, Essie East, is kind of a a cranky woman. Um, <laughs> and so they haven't interacted much. Um, so she's a little bit mysterious because now now she's passed away and suddenly, I mean, they've lived in the same building. They've passed each other by and said, you know, hello. Um, and, you know, very little more than that. And, um, and so... Um, Essie promises her answers to, you know, to how she knew her mother. And after waiting all those years, it it's enough to make Leah pivot. And I mean, how can she not after all that, you know? And I think part of it is too, that she has hope that she's going to be re- reunited with her mother. So it, it's not that she goes just to find out what Essie has to tell her, but, she, you know, she's expecting to, you know, arrive at the first post office where the first letter is waiting and have her mother there somehow, you know, it's, it's, it's a child's wish that she still has. And we, we, I think we all suffer from hope from time to time in that way. And so, um, yeah, so she, if, if she's willing to go and pick up these letters scattered all over the place, then, um, and scatter Essie's ashes in the process, then she'll, she might find out some answers. So they live um, in the same place, in the same building, in different apartments, for almost a year, something like that. And Essie brings cookies once, drops off cookies. But if if I saw a twenty one year old and such so miserable with no friends and no life, I would be dropping off food every week. Why is Essie so um, unfriendly? <laughs> Essie is, you know, Essie is in a lot of pain. Um, and I think that um, she has a lot of regrets about her own life. And I think she doesn't, you know, she's, she's never been a great communicator. And she doesn't, I don't think she knows or knew how to communicate with Leah. Um, or really communicate with, with anyone very well. She's a little bit of a misanthrope. Um, but as she, you know, so so Essie kind of has her own transformation as she's writing these letters and you know um you know maybe if she had lived longer they she would have approached her but you know i i think also she doesn't necessarily know the extent to leah's loneliness she has a sense of it for sure but um yeah okay you mentioned in the in, right at the very beginning about the jewels and that you were thinking look how cool it would be if somebody like just <laughs> offered a brooch on the subway or something. I like that. Um, so it, it, something along those lines happens in the book. Essie's ashes are in a spectacular uh, container. Can you describe it and how you came up with that particular thing? Yeah. So um, Essie's ashes are in a bejeweled urn and it's their flowers um, it's, it's made of wood and then there are flowers um, wound around it in, and they're set in silver and it, they're made of gemstones. Um, so an artist has made this and it has its own story, which I, you know, I'll, I'll leave that for, for readers to discover. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's there. I think throughout the book, there, there are a lot of sort of talismanic objects and, um, and this is, 
I don't know where it came from, honestly. Sometimes these ideas come to me and I'm like, okay, let me just write it down before it leaves. So I just saw it and, you know, it was just in my mind. And so, um, yeah. So Leah seems to consume mostly sweets, especially candy. <laughs> Some of the candy I did not like, but, you know, those the marshmallow things, no, but... <laughs> Can you say more about that? I have a friend who read the book and she was like, I thought I was going to throw up. She eats so much candy. Um, (laughs) Yeah, she has a sweet tooth. I I think probably born in her carnival days, um, you know, where she's eating like chocolate covered fried dough and like that's her diet as a young child. Um, But I think she must have been a hummingbird in a former life. (laughs) She just lived on on nectar. Um, And and yeah, I think that... um, I don't exactly know why she, outside of what I just said, why she has that. People have asked me that many times, like, what's up with all the candy? And I'm like, I don't really know. You have to ask Leah why she eats all the candy. <laughs> okay. On the other hand, she's 21 years old. She can get away with it. She, she can. Right? <laughs> and she's doing a lot of hiking, a lot of walking. Yes. Yeah. She's burning. Okay. Out, for sure. Right. How does magnetite help Leah on her journey? Oh, Mm, I don't think I can tell you that. (laughs) It's a little bit of a secret. I think that um, it's it's an interesting. That's a great question. I really want to answer it, but um, but I can't. You you can't answer without giving anything away. Is that what you're saying? I think so. Mm, It's a mystery. Okay, what is Leah searching for throughout the journey? Uh-huh. Um, well, I mean, her mother, of course. Um, but, you know, I think, I think what she's searching for changes as, as, as her journey, uh, kind of un, unfurls. And, um, ultimately I would say that she's looking for herself. And, um, so, yeah. So interesting. I told you before we started this recording that I loved the book. It was beautiful. I've already shared it. I mean, I told them to buy it, several of my friends. <laughs> and um, it, I, I wish you huge success. What are you working on next? Um, so I'm working on another novel. And um, it is also kind of falls in the realm of magical realism. Um, though I think this one is a little darker and a little, um, little, a little bit darker, a little more haunted, I would say. Hmm. Can we look forward to that next year? Um, that is a great question. I would love to say yes, but since this book took me eight years to, <laughs> to <get out laughs> door, I can't make those kinds of proclamations. But it would be nice. Okay. Well, thank you so much for talking to me, Zoe. And I'll look forward to talking to you again about your next book eight years from now. (laughs) (laughs) Philippe, thank you so much. I really appreciated your questions and your your open-hearted read of of Leah Fern. And again, thank you all for joining me. This is G.P. Gottlieb, author of the Whipped and Sipped Mystery Series and host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today, I've been talking to Rita Zoe Chin about her debut novel, The Strange Inheritance of Leah Fern. Hope you all have something juicy to read today and every day. Happy reading.